0: Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Welcome back to the Screen the Screener Podcast. We hope that your Thanksgiving was filled with turkey, cranberry, stuffing mashed potatoes, and we hope you had a little chance to check out some of the college hoops action that was going on all across the country. Welcome to the Screen the Screener Podcast. I am Mike Randall, as always, joined with the illustrious... Gus Kearns, Gus, how was your Thanksgiving?
1: Oh, I was great, Mike Randall. Uh, did you enjoy time with your family and friends?
0: Of course. We, the, the grandparents. We went to the in-laws, which means babysitters. Kids were off the wall. Some football action there on Thanksgiving with an okay. eye, with okay. an eye on my phone on some college basketball action. Of course.
1: Ah, fabulous. Well, good evening, good morning, and good afternoon to all the listeners. Thank you for consuming the screen, the screener podcast, however you choose. To plug it into your ears, Mike Randall and I are thankful for all of the listeners uh, giving uh, for, for letting us provide you with the basketball knowledge that you sorely need. Uh, I say we just get going, and uh, you want to start with some Thanksgiving likes, Mike Randall.
0: Uh, there's nothing I would like to do more. Uh, what, what do you got for me? You got me you got uh, th- three likes. What do we got?
1: So for our three likes, we'll go. Uh, of course, we'll go with like woe, like wise or like what, uh, I will just present them Thanksgiving style to Mike Randall. Uh, The first one I'm going to say, Mike Randall, how do you feel about three football games on Thanksgiving? Uh, I have some thoughts on it, but I just want to hear, uh, how do you like three games of football on Thanksgiving?
0: Uh, For that one, I'm going to go like, well, all right? I I like the two. To me, growing up, the Lions and the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Lions and Cowboys. Here's my issue, Gus, with the three games. And that's why I said, like, whoa, because I'm not totally sold on it. Is it realistic that we're going to get to watch all three football games? I mean, if we're 24 years old and we're hanging out we're you know, going out afterwards, I get it. But it's just not realistic. So why are we putting forth the three games? And, you know, everybody tends to eat late. So hmm. we're missing the end of the Cowboy game, which is a staple of Thanksgiving, and the night game is just a tough one to watch. I, I feel like they've pushed the envelope with these Thursday games. I was reading something that um, that now that the NFL is considering maybe eliminating the Thursday games. I just think, think it's a little it's a little much on Thanksgiving. I like Detroit and Dallas. Uh, here's my here's my one take on this. I'm going to say
1: it's great for washing dishes afterwards. So big shout to Jack Johnson and Washing Dishes off of the From Here to Now to You album. Um, washing Dishes, watching football, maybe on your phone or your iPad. I got to say, it's pretty helpful during Thanksgiving. So I'm down with uh, the extra game uh, if for that reason and no other
0: reason alone. And that's great, Gus. You know, I guess if you can't listen to the Screen the Screener podcast, by the way, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and iTunes Radio, or TuneIn Radio, rather. Uh, If you can't listen to that, then I guess watching the football on the phone is is, for dishes is good. Uh, That's a good point.
1: Uh, Next like is how do you like the high noon NCAA hoops game, which this year was pretty tight? It was Baylor-Michigan State. How do you like that high noon game on Thanksgiving?
0: Loaded question, my friend. That's a likewise, okay? I would have said likewise if that was at 7 in the morning, all right? (laughs) But I like the Hoops game at noon. We're going to talk about this later. The college basketball schedule has been absolutely outstanding this year. And and they continue to bring us big-time matchups and tournaments. Baylor-Michigan State on noon at Thanksgiving – I don't think there's much better than that, besides maybe Mile britches cupping another dunk on the baseline. But that's a likewise.
1: I say yes, please. uh, Give it to us every year. And the only takeaway, uh, the only negative about this is I'm just sorry for the travel for the teams. It seems like some of these teams, Michigan State especially, are just traveling around like crazy uh, to all these different places. Um, I just hope they get back to class soon. That's that's all I'm hoping. Uh, And my next two uh, are, are just very simple Thanksgivings uh mike randall cranberry sauce
0: likewise the more sweets the better love cranberry and sweet potatoes
1: solid and last one how about a saturday leftover turkey sandwich
0: Uh, how about the one i'm gonna have in five minutes (laughs) that's a likewise as well
1: (laughs) i i love that you have it stored away in the tupperware well done on the likewise (laughs) like whoa and like what's very nice mike randall um Hey, I think uh, we need to review a whole bunch of games. Do so you want to hit some uh, news and notes? Yeah,
0: let's go to our uh, news and notes.
1: News and notes from the hardwood. All, All right, first right. first first game that we have to get to. This got kind of swept underneath the rug, but it was definitely a game that you need to pay attention to. Um, this falls under the category that we mentioned earlier on the previous podcast of rock fight. Um, Louisville, Wichita State play this game again every year um, and if we play this game again like next week this game is gonna go 10 points the other way Louisville won by 10 um, but this is a classic grind it out this just felt like an old school like big East uh, we're just gonna like defend on every possession like it's the Dickens do not put the shockers to bed because of this loss um, they are still gonna be live come around uh when they start tournament uh when they when they start conference play um but i think this game just needed a quick mention just because there were so many other great games and this great and this was a great game you know on any other uh holiday season would have gotten the spotlight
0: yeah no doubt i have been so impressed watching louisville i can't remember a louisville or a rick Pitino team for that matter that is this big they mm. are huge across that front line. They are. The, the, the outside players make a lot of shots. Snyder was making a lot of big-time shots for them. But they are going to be – you know they're going to be tough because every year at Patino, they get better and better as the year goes on. right? We know they that. Do. okay? But he, they're tall and they're long and they can defend. When we get to the, the Baylor game a little bit, that is what really struck me. I mean he mm. does a great job. They have athletes. He's deep. His bench is good. Wichita State – we, the first team we ever talked about in the Screen the Screener podcast was Wichita yes, State sir. and Connor Frankham. So this is in no way a negative for the Shockers. But no. the Louisville is good.
1: Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm with you on Snyder. I like the little point guard play. Uh, they do have athletes. They always do. Uh, and Patino does do a good job um, running his sets and have his, having his guys ready to defend uh, and defend like every possession really matters. Um. I'm happy that we're talking about Louisville on the basketball front. I was kind of waiting for us to do that, so I'm happy that we got there with Louisville and uh, the Louisville Cardinals. Uh, Second game we'll take a peek at, Baylor, Michigan State. And, again, we talked about the travel thing. Travel is an issue for Sparty. They've been all over the world legitimately. Um, Plus, this provides evidence – For your final four pick, Mike Randall, would you like to expand on the Baylor-Michigan State game just a smidgen before we go deeper into Baylor?
0: Yeah, I I can't talk enough about Baylor. First of all, Izzo came out and said he's apologizing for the Mm. schedule that he had for Michigan State. I I would never say anything about that, but I have to tell you, this has been a murderer's row schedule for him that he has had early on. I mean, this has been really, really difficult. He's playing every big team that you can imagine. And... Um, and
1: he he's got Duke coming later this week.
0: Yeah, Duke coming later, and and I mean, gosh, you want to say he caught a break because it looks like they're going to be without Grayson Allen, and they're going to be without three freshmen, maybe. But maybe. Sti- but still, I, that is a tough game. Listen, Mich- Miles Bridges and and the crew at Michigan State—they're solid. They play hard. They're getting better. Aaron Harris, uh, but Baylor is a team to be reckoned with, and so I think Michigan State, obviously, they're going to battle down in Atlantis, but. I just think Baylor right now is a team that you have to keep your eye on. I picked them for the Final Four. I like what they're doing. Superior. I I do think that Michigan State, these games and these losses early – are going to mean they are going to be a pain in the rear, low seed in the tournament. I mean, seven, eight, you know, somewhere around there, potentially, yeah. potentially no one's going to want to play them. I imagine, Gus, if they're the 8-9 game for some reason, let's say they end up with like Us. nine ten losses as something, whatever. But you know, they're going to be, do you want to be the one seed that's playing them? Are we going to feel comfortable if Oregon's playing Michigan State in the 8-9 game? I don't know if I am.
1: Uh, I mean, talk about a fishy line right away. Here's the uh, one takeaway I had from this game is it seems like Michigan State, just needs to get, they have a number of things to get in, you know, in order in house. But I think priority number one for Michigan State and Sparty and Izzo is they need to get their roles defined. It seems like their roles aren't clearly defined um, for the players on the court, and it seems like they're still feeling that out. I think if they can get that sorted out with some extra practice time um, while they're not on an airplane traveling here, there, and everywhere. Um, I think that's gonna be a huge plus for them moving forward. Uh, so I think if they can get their roles uh, in order and figure out who's gonna do what at certain time at certain times on the floor, I think that's gonna fix a lot of the problems because they do have the talent. Um, I think they just need to find the proper spaces for that talent to fit into.
0: And they're Uh, they're young. And I mean, you know, I think maybe if in retrospect, Izzo basically said it, I don't know if this is the team to have this schedule with, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but you know what? He'll find a way to get through it. And like, you know, they'll, they'll, at the end they'll be rolling, but it certainly prepares them for the grind. That's for sure.
1: Uh, Next game. We'd be remiss if we did not talk about Kentucky against Tennessee, Martin. Uh, Dear Um, Lord. Do, do we need to bring up Malik Monk and the breakaway dunks?
0: Yeah, we need to bring up you picking Malik Monk on your All-American team and me sitting here going, why did I not pick Malik Monk on my, my
1: All-American team? Well, um, we, we can get to your uh, Kentucky All-American pick uh, later on uh, because uh, DeAndre Fox did drop the second triple-double in Kentucky history this evening. Um, uh, so I think both of our picks are pretty secure. But, you know, what? uh, I mean, we can go very quickly through this. We don't need to, like, belabor the point that uh, Kentucky is very good and they've put up 100 points and they're in the 100 club and so on and so on. Um, How about this? Along with those breakaway dunks, like, those were on SportsCenter and on the highlights. You know what else I saw from Monk? I saw two sweet mid-range game floaters from him that were totally sick where he broke somebody down off the dribble – uh, big man came over to take a charge, and he just shot up these beautiful, super soft floaters, uh, totally Justin Jackson style from UNC. Those are the two things that I took away from that, almost as impressive as the dunks. It's almost like his NBA game is coming uh, full circle right in front of us. Um, but you know, those floaters don't make Sports Center and don't make the top ten, but they are just as important to his development as a player. I was really impressed with Monk. Um, for the huge human highlight film, but also for those mid-range floaters.
0: Yes, Monk is becoming their go-to guy. He's becoming their big-time scorer, and so is Briscoe. But you, you know, we point out no Briscoe in this game. That's a big Good deal with there. Um, Great, that you know, Monk is a a, de- a deadly shooter. He's athletic as heck. He's still going to fill into his body. Mm-hmm. Um, this team is going to be an issue. Your call about Fox and Monk being the, the best backcourt also is excellent. Um, okay. oh. Nothing negative with Tennessee Martin, but without Briscoe for them to put these points up in the way they did, they are going to – boy, are they good. Holy they cow. They uh, you
1: know, So this next game, I can't wait to take a closer look at, even if it's just for two individual stats, okay? We have UVA versus Iowa. Okay. Talk about differenti- differentiating in styles. Differentiating in coaching.
0: Yep.
1: Um, Iowa's coming in averaging over 90 points a game. Um, we know UVA's defensive prowess. So what happens? Iowa scores 41 points in the game total. Not at halftime. The whole entire team scored 41 points. <laughs> total. Okay, and to put this into perfect perspective... And to really pay homage to UVA and how well they played. The next game Iowa played, the very next game, in the same arena, Peter Jock put up 42 points by himself. Unbelievable. So what does that speak stronger to? Does that speak stronger to like Peter Jock like got a little annoyed and said, like, you know, UVA held me down, but the next team can't hold me down. I'm gonna go off. Or does it speak to how hard it is to score on uva i mean what in the world peter jock scored more points by himself in the next game individually than his whole team did against uva prior
0: yeah it's it's amazing virginia has done it virginia has been able behind tony bennett to basically do a style of college basketball that you cannot practice against because everyone right iowa state kentucky duke ucla they want to run up and down the floor they want to get in the hundred club Virginia is an old school. We're going to play defense. We're going to we're going to we're going to lock you down, and we're going to out execute you. Now that has not played well for them in the NCAA tournament, where typically Correct. your running gun teams do get the advantage. But it is a credit because they are unique in what they do, and it's such a great point you made. They scored forty one points total, Iowa, and then Jock puts up forty two on his own. It's unbelievable! So, that's a credit to Virginia. I
1: just felt like in that game. Every single pass that initiated offense for mm-hmm. Iowa, once the ball got into the scoring zone, like within three-point range, I felt like every pass was contested. Yep. Every pass was 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 an effort. Everything was, was off balance. UVA has this unbelievable pace that they play at. It's not like they are frenetic defensively. They are just all over everything. And then go ahead and flip the script, right? So let's go to the offensive end. London Parentes and uh, the, the freshman they have, Guy, they play at this unbelievably uncomfortable, casual pace. They are just so. It's not even like when if you see them run their offense, it almost looks lackadaisical. But it's just so casually slow and at their own pace. That it puts the defense in this weird position of um, strange uncomfortableness that they don't know what to do. They don't know if they should attack aggressively, lay back, and then boom, you know, UVA puts up 75 points. Oh, P.S. I know my London Parentis All-American pick maybe, you know, down the drain, but guess who was the MVP of that tournament?
0: Prentice you got it. Uh, you know, and it's yes. not. It was not uh, me being against it. Is not against London Perrantes. He's a, he's a tremendous player, and he's as valuable to Virginia as any team is valuable to any other team in the country. The issue Correct. is whether that is going to translate. Whether we're going to get like an eight point a game guy on an All American team. Maybe we will. If Virginia is successful, they win the ACC. Then we certainly will. He is yeah. as valuable to them as anyone else, whether he scores or not. He
1: he he is an, he is one of the most unique players in NCAA basketball. I really love watching him play. If we don't talk about Butler, Arizona, we would be doing our listeners a disservice. What a game. I, be- I believe we ID'd this game early on as like a fishy line because Butler was favored by one over Arizona, who was ranked eighth yep. well, at the time. Yep. Now, um, your guy, Kobe Sibbons, tried to pull a repeat performance. He tried to win the game in the second half all by himself. Not saying that he was going for his or he was ball hogging. But he did attempt to make some big plays in this game um, to win the game in the second half, which he almost pulled off. He went scoreless in the first half, uh, scored double digits in the second half. Um, And this game was very similar to that Wichita State-Louisville game where everything was contested. Um, Every jump shot was closed out on. Every post move was doubled on the dribble. There was nothing that, that was easy in this game whatsoever on either end. Um, okay, here's what I saw. Okay, tight game. Arizona has a lead, about three minutes to go. Guess who fouls out? Lauren and fouls out. Yeah. Our guy from Arizona, a seven-foot freshman who we think is super skilled, was having a great game. Fouls out on a questionable call. Okay, then not only does he foul out at that juncture of the game, Butler switches their defense and goes like this quirky one-three-one on Arizona, and that the combination of marking and fou- fouling out and Butler switching up their defense to this like mini half-court trap one-three-one totally turned the game on its head, and it went from a four-point Arizona lead to a four-point Butler lead. Bang! Butler wins. Um, the coaching move. And the fouling out of Markkinen really changed this game, and it was an unbelievably well-contested game by both teams. Um, again, Kobe almost pulled the pulled the game out of the bag for them, um, and and if Markkinen doesn't foul out, maybe this game has a different result. But. Both of those things were were really fascinating to watch in this game.
0: Yeah, Kobe Simmons did not have a great game. He tried to force some things too much. I think he had an air ball at one point, but they they don't have big time scores. Their actual best score on a daily on a game to game basis is marketing. Marketing has been super impressive. He had fourteen or sixteen points at the time. I remember the play that he fouled out on. Honestly, I think it was a dumb move by marketing. I'm going to see mm. you're, going to, you're going to seven feet tall. You're going to drive down the middle of the lane. You're going to try to in the air. Although he's athletic enough to do it, wrap right. your arm behind the defender and throw a fancy pass. Again, I say this all the time: jump stop, just jump stop in the lane. And listen, was it close? It was probably close. But honestly, to me, you can't put yourself in that situation if you're marketing. You can't foul out. Then you're left with a freshman in Kobe Simmons against a very well-coached Butler team. The switch to 1-3-1 was huge. This is a game Arizona wins if marketing doesn't foul out. I'm absolutely 100% positive. But that changed the whole game. It went down from there, and that was it.
1: Uh, totally agreed on all fronts there. Uh, how about Louisville-Baylor? I know we talked about Louisville earlier. Uh, do, do you have a quick thought about oh. this Louisville-Baylor game? I, I watched – my, oh. my only my only observation is Baylor was down
0: 25-5. Uh, Gus, I watched every minute of this game because as you know, I'm really into Baylor and it's Baylor-Louisville. Enough said. I watched every minute. I even watched the game a second time. All right. What happened in the beginning was Baylor was genuinely surprised that Louisville was rebounding against them in the zone. They have that one-one-three sort of matchup zone that they play. Louisville was every bit as tall and every bit as tough inside as Baylor, and they did not know what to do. Manu Leconte, I feel Bailey for him. He has had some of the toughest def- defensive matchups, whether he's talking about Jonathan Williams and oh. Juan Lewis of VCU. Then he's got Tom Tom Nair right in his grill from Michigan State. Snyder. and, 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 and Yeah, and, and in this game, Snyder was all over him. He's had some really tough matchups, so – the first half, they looked as discombobulated as humanly possible. Louisville was banging them inside. They were deflecting balls, as you know, Patino charts deflections. I know. On the defensive end, they were up, as you said, twenty-five to five, and then they got back up twenty-two points in the second half. I think it was forty-two twenty or something crazy. Fifteen minutes left. It's forty-two twenty. I will tell you where the game turned. First of all, Jonathan Motley is the real deal, folks. He is a first-team All-American type player, but Ooh. but Louisville had the size to guard him. They were fronting Motley, so they couldn't get Motley the ball. And Lacan has not been able to hit anything from three-point range in the last few games. He That'll could- change. Oh, definitely. That He couldn't score. So King McClure came off the bench – and hit mm-hmm. back-to-back threes with about 14 minutes left. He's a high-energy guy. He had the heart condition last year they had a look at, it, and thank goodness he's okay to play. I will tell you, King McClure changed the game with his energy. Then Motley started getting the ball a little bit in the post. He had a drive from the, the foul line where he flushed it. Um, that's what happened. It picked up the injury. If King McClure doesn't come in and hit those threes, it, it would not happen. They also got some nice points with the sub off the bench who came in the point guard, whose name escapes me right now, came in the bench as well, did a real nice job for them because uh, Lacan couldn't get anything going. That's what happened. And you know, listen, Patino apologized after about Louisville being tired. He said he should have subbed more. I, I kind of think that's a little sour grapes. I, I, I don't. I know they were tired. I get it. But you're up 22 with 14 minutes left. It's not exhaustion. What happened is McClure lit a fire under Baylor. Motley became a devastating force inside and outside. The guys were open. Uh, Ish Wainwright hits a three. And then the end of the game was incredible. It was a great, great game. And the one thing about LaConte, I will say this, he may not hit his shots, not going to turn the ball over, and he's deadly from the foul line in late-game situations. If Baylor is up and he is in the game, he's going to make his free throws. And he has, even though he didn't play well at the end of the tournament. But what a great, great game on both ends. Both teams are really good, but a legendary comeback for for Baylor.
1: I mean, unbelievable comeback. Two takeaways on my end from that were, uh, Patino, how about you throw Baylor a bone? And so they played really well in the second half.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on that. I didn't like what he
1: said. Why why, why make the excuse of, like, I should have subbed? Uh, like, throw them a bone. So they played really well. Like, go ahead. It won't hurt you. Like, throw the compliments around. Play it forward. Um, and then the other part was... John Motley looked like the best player on the floor in the second half. He just decided, I'm going to take this game over and I'm going to be the best player in this game, and he totally, totally stamped his name on that game. Really impressed with Motley.
0: Gus, he's he's special. He really, really is first team All-American. Yeah, he's really first team All-American good because he can pull up, he can drive, he's got spin moves. He's a player that is not – people don't know about him, but they're going to play Kansas at some point. Motley's going to have like 28 points, and that's going to change everything. He has really impressed me.
1: I believe, in our Texas corner. We put him on the first team uh, all-conference team, so I think we were ahead of the curve there. Mortal lock, yeah. Um, You know what? Unfortunately, some of these uh, holiday tournaments fall prey to, like, the sloppy tournament game that, like, there's no juice in the building and, like, none of the fans traveled really well. And I think Gonzaga, Florida falls underneath that. Sure. It was an unbelievable game. Uh, Gonzaga gets gets uh, gets out really, really slow early. Um, they had. It just felt like there was no juice in that game on either end. Um, they Gonzaga kind of didn't know what to do with Florida early on and got down by double digits in the first half. Their bigs were, were zero uh, impact, um, and they had they had trouble finding space. They had trouble uh, they had trouble getting the ball into the post. Um, they weren't taking open threes. It seemed like they were just like running their offense backwards. They were trying to force it where Florida was already defending really hard. Um, but I'm going to say credit to Mark Few. Credit to the Zags coaching staff because they totally uh, flipped their game plan around in the second half where they went ahead and Perkins took those threes. Nigel Wilgen, uh, William Goss took those threes. Wes Matthews took those threes. I think even Karnowski put up a three um, for goodness sake. Um, and they totally flipped the script and hit, um, hit a bunch of threes in the second half and then came back and won this game. I think Florida is going to be an NCAA team. I think they're talented enough. Um, the SEC was well represented, Eric Fawcett represent. Um, so I think, they were, uh, I think they were really, really uh, served themselves well in this game um, by playing unbelievably well in the first half and actually shutting down the Gonzaga attack. But Gonzaga was just too much in the second half. Um, and I, Few was just masterful with how he how he changed things in the second half and really adjusted to what Florida was doing. And that's what great coaches do. And Few just proves himself to be a great coach in that second half. Really impressed.
0: Yeah, great. Two takeaways. One, Gonzaga's good. They're legitimately good. You called them for Real the Final good. Four, they are a solid team that can play with anyone. Um, number two, Florida's better than I gave him credit for. Uh, you Definitely. know, Eric Foster talked about it. You know, he's a yep. Florida fan. They've played well. They have redeemed themselves well. They're doing a nice job. Canyon Berry, definitely a big-time scorer. The underhanded free throws we love. Um, yeah, both. both t- I agree with the sloppy tourney game. It happens. Sometimes not well attended. I get it. But both takeaways are both teams are, are real solid. And Florida's better than we thought they were.
1: Uh, I want to just hit very quickly on Temple, West Virginia. Um, huge win for Temple because they looked pretty awful and pretty brutal early on. Um, so this is a great get for Temple. Um, the press has holes when you have strong ball handlers yep. that are off center. Like if somebody else besides your point guard and maybe your other strong wing can handle the ball, the press is then exposed a bit. And you know who exposed the press for West Virginia for Temple? Freshman Quentin Ross. Screen the screener, listeners. You've been warned. Quinton Ross, 6'8 freshman, he is going to be a terror in the Big Five, and he's going to be a terror for everybody that Temple plays. Right now he's coming off the bench. Um, it's just a matter of time before they put him in the starting rotation. If he's not in the starting rotation, guess what? He's going to play 30-plus minutes a game. He is that guy that helped break that press um, by being able to see over the press. All of those West Virginia guards are six one, six two, six four. Um, With his height and length, he was able to see over the press, he was able to pass over the press, and he has a mad handle as well. Um, Please be advised, Quentin Ross, Temple. Coach Fran Dumpy has it rolling again. And by the way, when doesn't Coach Dumpy have it rolling? It just seems like he does a great job every year. Really impressed by this win and very impressed by Quentin Ross. Um, how about you want to go to a uh, round two oh, of the yeah. state or Northern oh, Iowa?
0: Yeah, no. One, one second on Temple West Virginia. I, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on Dumphy, and I'm sort of waiting for him to make the run. You know, like he's too good a coach. Has done such yes. a nice job with them. Tough loss to Iowa last year in overtime in the tournament. Yeah. Um, I'm starting to doubt West Virginia. Okay, mm. I, I'm starting to say to myself, hey, I like Kansas. I like Baylor. Shaka's is going to be tough. We know Iowa State's going to be in the mix. Like, where's Western Virginia going to fall in this? And, I mean, it could be a mediocre situation where everyone is 500. I mean, except for the, you know, Kansas, somebody else. But I'm starting to get off the West Virginia bandwagon. But I agree, Ross was very impressive in this game, and they're going to do themselves well in, in the conference, you know, playing games like this. But I'm starting to cool a little bit West Virginia. I don't doubt Huggy. He's a team yeah. you never want to play. But are they going to be a three, four, five seed? I don't know about that anymore. Um because I'm s I am I got to be down on someone in the Big Twelve. Can't like everybody. Chris. And I mean heck TCU six and all right now. So I mean I you know, I I think I'm starting to cool on them a little bit. But let's see, let's see how he does. But good one for Temple.
1: Absolutely. Great win for Temple. I think that's the, That's the biggest uh, thing that we're going to take away from that. Um, so round two of Xavier and yeah. Northern Iowa yeah. was a little crazy because the final score, 64-42, it's really hard to cover the spread when you co- score only 64 points. <laughs> and they do that. Xavier looked very Xavier-ish in this game. Um, Sumner played like all-conference-slash-third-team, honorable mention, All-American. He had 14, 7, 4, and 2. And they won this game with Blewett shooting, like, I don't know, 3 for 12-ish. He might have hit one more or taken one less. But if he shoots it straight, like, Xavier wins this game by 30 points. Um, Whereas this game was kind of nip and tuck uh, round one uh in xavier this game was over in a hurry and xavier made it look like a very xavier game where they they stopped it defensively and and put their uh, athletes to work on the offensive end
0: yeah uh you know this was a shocker to me because the first game was so close xavier the first thing that came off my mind when i saw this this box score is what is going to happen in the big east villanova xavier creighton I mean, they, but all three of those teams. Bro Butler in there. Butler, of course. They're loaded. They're all loaded. Like, this is a strong, strong Big East. Um, Northern LA was really good. No shame in this loss. This won't affect them at all. I mean, it was just tough. Xavier took him out to the woodshed, took it, you know, took yeah, care they, of business they, they, there. They just beat him up good. It has It has not gone off yet. He has not gone off. He has not gotten going yet. When that happens, I can't even imagine what this team's going to be like. Right now, Sumner is the guy, and they're playing well as a team. But Blewett is a a first team All Big East type talent guy, definitely. And, and he has not even hit his stride yet. So, very impressed with Xavier. I can't wait for those Big East games. I mean, like you said, Butler at Creighton. Creighton. Xavier Villanova. I have no idea who's winning those games. I mean, yeah. this is not going to be Villanova. It just makes me feel better. Villanova is not steamrolling the Big East this year. It's just not going to happen. Or
1: not. They're they're going to face some tough tests. I can't wait to watch those things on Fox Sports. Um, I'm so glad Fox Sports and uh, you know Raff are going to bring us some of those huge Big East games. Looking yeah. forward to that. Onions. Um, one of the big weekend games uh, we mentioned. Uh, we mentioned one of these teams already is uh, Iowa State and Gonzaga. Um, wow. This was a game. The Zags kind of played the opposite role that they did during Florida. Obviously, the coaching staff got in their ear a little bit and said, let's not come out flat again and let's follow the game plan. And they got out big early against Iowa State. But then DeAndre Burton happened in the second half. You know who DeAndre Burton reminded me of in this game a little bit? Do you remember Melvin Ijem? Do you remember Melvin from like maybe four or five years back from Iowa State? He was so versatile. Uh, Hoiberg put him in all sorts of places. He put up threes. I think he even led the Big 12 in rebounding one year. He just – Burton totally reminded me of Ijima. I had like a flashback um, where he was just going off on the Big 12. He had 29 points and brought the Cyclones all the way back. So impressive with how he played. And this was out without Monte Morris having to be like, I don't know, like a superhero – um, and bringing Iowa State back. Uh, this was a huge win for the Zags against a ranked opponent, something they get a very rare opportunity for. Um, not that they don't schedule uh, aggressively, but who wants to play Gonzaga early on um, unless you're, I don't know, in, in, unless you're Michigan State or somebody like that, or UNC? Like, So it's tough for them to get a game against a ranked opponent. So this game was crucial for their uh, resume come March. Um, the The loss is not going to... Really deface Iowa State at all because it was a two-point loss against a great uh, Gonzaga team who I picked for the Final Four. Um, but they will be a live team in the Big 12, and if they if they can find a way to play around this uh, lack of size, man, I, I, I just think I just think they're going to be really live in the Big 12. I think they're going to be be a player. I'm not saying they're going to take down Kansas, but I think they I think. With Monte Morris running the show, I think they're going to be very dangerous in any game, at any venue, especially in Hilton. Um, and Gonzaga just looked out of this world in the first half and held on and got some good defensive stops. And you know what the other part about this that was pretty impressive? The freshman Tilly hits a big three in this for the Zags. And with him, Karnowski, I- and Collins – like that's like some sort of weirdo three-headed uh, seven-foot monster that they have going down there where everybody's kind of okay with the amount of playing time that they're getting. So I think, I think something special is happening in Gonzaga, but I also kind of like what's happening at, uh, with Ohio State and the Cyclones. Um, it was a great game to watch. And so happy that the Cyclones made a game out of it in the second half.
0: Yeah, my takeaways here are that DeAndre Burton is absolutely vital to Iowa State winning big-time games that are going to occur. Monte Morris is going to get his – anyone he plays against, he's going to be able to get 15 to 20 points. We know that. He's a tremendous scorer. You are on the assist-to-turnover ratio. That's the type of player he is. But Iowa State is missing a lot of guys. They need another guy who's Mm -hmm. going to step forward. Look at Xavier with with, um, Makura hitting those threes. Um, And Burton has to be – and he's a skilled big man, lefty inside, outside, short jumper, great post moves, the whole thing. He's the cog for Iowa State. If he's playing well, if you tell me and I don't see a box score, they're playing a big-time team, I say, how many does Burton have? If Burton has 25 or 30 points, you know Morris is getting probably around 20. That's the critical guy. That's the guy you have to stop if you're playing Iowa State. This is a great win for Gonzaga. Few goes out and tests himself early. They come away with a huge win. Really impressed with that, of course, as well.
1: Uh, Last place that we'll take a peek at. Uh, let's take a look at the late night game of Texas A&M and UCLA. I have a couple of takeaways from this game, a couple of observations. Um, all of them interesting. Uh, all of the, like the game was just exciting to watch. Number one, our guy who we called for all-conference uh, first team, Tyler Davis, is an issue. He Nobody can push him around in the post. He is an offensive rebounding machine. Um, if they get him more touches, they're going to be a better team second part Robert Williams of Texas A&M he's an NBA player wow yeah he's a he is a freshman that is playing limited minutes right now but he just pops off the floor his second and third jumps are second and third NBA jumps and he is pretty skilled with the ball i'm not sure if you've seen him they go they pass post to post as well as anybody in college basketball kind of when I was watching Williams and Davis pass to each other from the high post to the low post, it was a little San Antonio Spurish. I'm not going to lie. I was pretty impressed with that part of their offensive game. Um, and Williams was really, really impressive. I think they got to find a way to play both of those guys together. Um, and if they can find a way to have both those guys on the floor together, I'm telling you right now, Texas A and M is going to be really good.
0: Even when we expected them, maybe not to be, because they lost a lot of guys. Yeah.
1: Uh uh-huh. In our Texas corner preview on one of our first podcasts, we said like, oh, you know, we were so happy that they found success last year. Guess what? They're going to be good again this year. Holy smokes! If they can get some consistent point guard play, like, look out! Yikes! Oh, yikes! Oh. Um, and uh, another thing that we talked about on
0: one of our first podcasts
1: was Bryce Alford.
0: Guess who hit? Great shooter! Holy cow!
1: Guess who hit the big shot with a minute to go, with a two-point game. Not Lonzo Ball, not Hamilton. It was Bryce Alford. He stepped up and shot almost an NBA three, banged it home, put this game on ice, and ended it. And everybody was okay with him taking that last shot. He's going to keep doing that all year because they have the confidence in him to take that shot. And the people, on the his his teammates are okay with him taking that shot, which is a pretty cool dynamic if you think about the talent on that team. Um, can we just give Lonzo Ball his props? Wow, Lonzo Ball is like Kyle Anderson. Remember Kyle Anderson for a couple yeah, years? Yeah, of
0: course. Yeah,
1: the the big smooth, slow, take it easy guy that plays for the Spurs now. He's this really lanky point guard that kind of played at his own pace. Ball totally reminds me of him, except he's way more athletic. He has a different athletic ability than Kyle Anderson has. He can shoot it way better, and he's unbelievably quick. Um, I loved Kyle Anderson as a player in the NCAA, and I love him as a pro as well. So no slight on Kyle Anderson, but Alonzo Ball is that much better. And you know what this really reminds me of? This took me back a couple of years. I don't know if you remember this. Um, do you remember that New Mexico team? That was pretty good. I think they were like a three seed um, somewhere around there in the, in the tournament um, where they had Kendall Williams.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's a great one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And Kendall Williams had like a couple of crazy games that year. One game he put up like 45 plus. Yeah. The, we lo- had-
0: we love New Mexico that year. Was that the year that yeah. goes to Harvard? Yeah. They yeah, won, they uh, w- they won the um the regular yeah, season fell. and then the and then the tournament. Yeah,
1: great great memory. Oh my goodness, G- unbelievable recall. Um, and then they had Carmen Cameron uh, Bearstow yeah, as well. Yeah, good
0: one. Right? Excellent.
1: Yep. So I feel like UCLA has the exact same setup that they have with that, except with so much more talent. So Lonzo Ball is playing like the Kendall Williams role, and like you have Welch and Leaf playing the Carmen, Cameron Cameron Bearstow role. Um, so. You know, Alford knows how to put these guys in positions to be really successful. Um, but, you know, Barstow got went on to have a, a, a get drafted out uh, and by the NBA. Um, Kendall Williams was a first team All Mountain West guy. Um, so he he now he has NBA talent at all positions, and he's going to run those same sets. So I, I think Alford's got something cooking here. I'm not exactly sure what. But I think it's going to be really exciting to watch. Not only are they going to be, like, regular members of the 100 club, like, dropping 100 points, but, like, Ball has NBA three-point range, offered, can take and make big shots. Um, Hamilton is is just fine playing lesser minutes but scoring more points. And, like we said, like, Welch and, and Leaf are those two big guys down there that don't mind doing the dirty work and getting those boards. Man, th- this game, I took so much away from this game. I felt like I, I just got, like, a better feel for college basketball on the whole after watching this game. And great win for UCLA because they had to win a game in the 70s and it wasn't in the hundreds. Yeah. Great for UCLA.
0: Yeah, they listen, this is a make or break year for Alford. Okay, he's got talent all over the place. His, his, little Alford, little Bryce Alford is going to have shots open galore because Lonzo Ball and Leaf and these guys are going to attack the basket. They're going to yeah. push the pace. He's yeah. got the perfect blend to go very far. I think it's got to be a sweet 16 or bust for Alford this year because he's got way too much talent. Lonzo Ball's is incredible. Um, the West is alive and well, my friend, uh, the West Coast. Uh, UCLA, really nice win. Texas A&M, good job, better than we thought they were. Absolutely. But the takeaway here is UCLA, let, let's get UCLA-Kentucky. Let's get all those games going and see what it's going to be like. But this team is good. Alfred should take this team far.
1: How How, how about this? Do you want to watch Lonzo Ball? and Fox go head-to-head oh. when they play this weekend
0: oh yeah it's gonna be personal it's gonna you know oh. they're gonna want to show each other up this is what college basketball needs we haven't had for so long this is the matchups that we need I can't wait
1: hey do you, do you remember a couple of years ago do you remember that game out in a uh, Pavil Pavilion when Kentucky went out and smacked them around by about 40 Yep. yeah do you think that's gonna you think that's gonna be on like a you know on the court board or on the bulletin board somewhere in ucla's locker room
0: this has been all of, this has been everybody's locker this has been an all for his desk this has been yep. everywhere because this game is make or break yeah. this is a huge huge game for them they have to make a statement here yep definitely yeah
1: i i, I don't think a win is a necessity but no, i think no. i think being competitive is a necessity being competitive yeah agreed uh hey would you like to go see what's playing on broadway
0: on broadway my favorite spot, Broadway. I can't wait. Let's uh, let's go through it here. Let's see what games we got coming on tap that we have to watch this week.
1: Uh, well, of course, we have the challenge going on with the ACC and the Big Ten. So we'll cover a couple of those games, but we also have a couple of things that are off-Broadway. So we don't want to ignore the off-Broadway shows as well. Um, how about Pitt, Maryland? And the reason I bring up Pitt, Maryland is not because of the teams uh, or the marquee matchup, but – I don't know how many more games is Mellow going to win by himself. It's two. It's two in counting this year so far.
0: Yeah, definitely. He's, uh, he's been it, big is time. going to be
1: another game that he just wins on his own. Right. Like, I, I, I'm. I'm just intrigued for that reason alone. I think any time Maryland is on TV and it's a close game, it's worth watching because I want to see if Mello can win the game. Uh, on his own again. Again, the over/under on the amount of games that he's going to win for Maryland by himself this year is is four and a half, and he's halfway there.
0: Yeah, it's a good it's a good game for us. You got Kevin Stolings up at Pitt. You got Mello with Maryland. It's a good good solid good solid game.
1: Uh, Cuse, Wisconsin. I think this is a rematch of last year. Um, how do the Badgers react to the UNC kind of blowout, but not really? Um, and if you think about it, like Wisconsin really never gets blown out. This seems like a very fishy game. Uh, also, Syracuse coming off a loss. So I think if nothing else, it'll be intriguing to see how both teams react coming off a loss and getting beat down a tiny bit. Um, this game's definitely worth watching. Tyler Lydon and Nigel Hayes, two possible All-Americans. Yep. I think that, I think that's worth the matchup right there. How about we go off-Broadway? We talk about uh, URI and Valpo off-Broadway, but really – this game could make it on Broadway.
0: Yeah, this could be this could be a Sweet 16 matchup. Uh, there's no reason it can't be. Uh, just because they're small schools. And I'm getting the feeling, Gus, right now that this is going to be a mid-major type of year in the tournament with all the stuff that we're seeing and the parody and the explosions by a lot of these small teams. This is a very underrated game. Um, it has three huge players in it. EC Matthews, Hassan
1: Martin, Alex Peters. Enormous March implications with this matchup. The resume for each one of these teams is going to take a tremendous jump or a slight hit, depending on the result. If you're not paying attention to this game, even if you're not a huge uh, like Blue Blood fan, this is going to be fun to watch just for those three guys alone. Those three guys are going to be all-conference players in their conferences, but it's possible one of them could sneak on a third-team All-American or be honorable mention. So you're watching three maybe potential NBA players in one game? Pretty cool. Uh, how about Iowa-Notre Dame? I'm going to say let's take a look at Iowa-Notre Dame during our fishy line segment. How's that?
0: Yes, which, by the way, folks, let's give credit where credit is due. Gus is 4-0 right now and flying high on these fishy lines. 4-0 has identified a line that he thinks it's worth taking a look at, and he's undefeated. So when we get to those fishy lines, pay attention because he got two more for you.
1: Two more to come. Uh, that will be one of them. Uh, Michigan State Duke, everyone just please watch. I know injuries are going to play a role with Duke in this game. We don't know exactly who's going to be ready, who's going to be in uniform, who's going to be ready to play. Uh, You want to see what Michigan State does after getting uh, kind of knocked back down to earth. You want to see how their freshmen uh, respond. You want to see how Izzo responds. You want to see, like we talked about earlier, if those roles are further defined. Um, There's so many storylines here to pay attention to. It'd be silly not to pay attention to this game and have your eyes glued to it on the TV. Um, I'm intrigued for all of those reasons. Um but again I just kind of want to see Miles Bridges. I'm just I'm just being a little bit greedy. I just want to see him play again.
0: Yeah and there's going to be a sense of urgency around the Spartans here because they've lost mm-hmm. some games. This is a tough scheduled game. This would be a nice win for them. I know Allen's may not going to play. The freshmen aren't going to play Tatum. I understand that. This would be a really nice win for Michigan State. They need this game. Duke doesn't need this game. Michigan State would could springboard themselves here with a nice. You know what? We had a tough schedule. We weathered the storm, and we won against Duke. And it's in Duke, right? So I mean, this is this is a big game.
1: Huge game. Uh, hey, let's let's start a little Big Five love. How about Temple and Joe's? Uh, we mentioned Dumphy uh, and and Ross earlier. Um, you know, Joe's made the tournament last year. If uh, you're not at least putting one eyeball on this game and checking the score and flipping over, you'd be silly not to. Love Philly hoops. Um, uh, I hope that some people put some eyeballs on this game. Um, we love Temple here, which means St. Joe's is very live in this game. And uh, I think one of the last games we'll, we'll take a look at on Broadway uh, is Purdue versus Louisville. Uh, I love Caleb Swanigan. If you're not aware, Caleb Swanigan has had four Back to back to back to back Double double games The last Purdue Boilermaker To do so is That's right, the big dog Glenn Robinson Oh, oh He is in rare air And I love that we picked him early For our All-American team Second team All-American Caleb Swanekin, keep doing your thing And we are still calling for him to be among the lead uh, The nation's leaders in rebounds And I don't see why that wouldn't happen here Louisville you are on alert on the boards. Please beware of my man, Caleb Swannigan.
0: Yeah, you, Gus called it here. He said that Swanigan's going to lead the nation in rebounding, and he's off to a start that no one else would ever doubt that that could happen. Again, I feel like we've gone back in time, Gus. we got big-time players, big physical players, okay. Purdue, Louisville, Baylor. I mean, Haas and Swanigan. I, I can't wait to watch this game. Big guys inside, boards, offensive rebounds, dunks. What? A, this may be the best game of the whole weekend.
1: It could be the best game of the whole weekend. Two ranked teams. uh, I'm looking forward to watching. I want to put my eyes on it. I want to see Swanigan do some cool things, uh, whether it be down low or dribbling the ball, because his ball skills are underrated. Uh, Now, we have some fishy lines for you coming up. Um, So I think it's time for you to take out your wallet or take out your notebook or something like that, right? That's a fishy line.
0: And you need to pay attention to these lines because Gus is on fire. He's scalding hot. He's not the guy that you follow on Twitter. You should be following us on Twitter, by the way, at SDS Podcast or following Gus at C-K-E-A-R-N-S-12 or following me at Fantasy Warrior Mike, F-T-S-Y Warrior Mike and get the inside scoop on these picks because he's scalding hot. He's got two more for you right now.
1: Now, I feel like we would be – cheating a bit because these games are in play as we are recording um, but the two fishy lines I took a look at over the weekend that I really liked were um, uh, Butler minus one versus Utah um, but I feel like since that game is in motion and by the time you guys will be listening to this that game will be over um, we wanted to stay away from it and also we also really like Kentucky and the points versus Arizona State Um, uh, we felt like both of those were kind of off-limits. So we'll give you a couple other ones that we're paying attention to. Um, First one we mentioned already, Iowa versus Notre Dame. The over-under of this game is 158-ish, 158.5 or 158 flat. On paper, this has a run up-and-down game on it, but guess what? Screen the Screener is telling you to pick the under. We're going to say pick the under in this game, and we think both teams are going to come out a smidgen flat. Uh, Some schools may be on uh, vacation. Um, It's not a rivalry game, so we're going to say take the under. Pay attention to the 158 line for Iowa and Notre Dame.
0: I like this one. This is contrarian. Under for that. And last one, uh,
1: the second one we'll go with is a little bit off the radar. This is definitely an off-Broadway fishy line pick. We'd like for you to pay attention to the Chattanooga Mocs, minus three versus the Coastal Carolina Chanteliers. As much as we love Coastal, we love Coastal Carolina, we love the Chanteliers, love the alliteration, the Mocs are undervalued here big time. Basically, due to the huge UNC blowout where they lost by 30 to 40. Um, they're much better than that. Lock this one up. This seems like a no brainer. I think they're trying to sucker in the betters by favoring the home team, but. Take the mocks and the points. Uh, lock it up. So those are our two fishy lines.
0: So Gus is given three with the mocks over the Chanticleers, which, by the way, folks, that's what we do here at Screen the Screener. We don't just go to Duke, Michigan State, okay? And then he's saying do the under on Iowa, Notre Dame. Folks, can he go to 6-0? and oh? Is that humanly possible? I think it is. I can't wait to see.
1: Well, we'll find out. Uh, Mike Randall. How do you feel about finishing up this particular Screen the Screener podcast with just some simple thank yous?
0: Sounds good. Let's thank everybody.
1: Hey, uh, of course, we always want to thank the Screen the Screener technology department. Technology. We always want to send a, a big shout out uh, to our intro, outro music, Bell Jar, B-E-L-J-A-R. If you like your intro and outro music, please check out the rest of their catalog on iTunes. And of course, we want to thank the repeat listeners and our emailers. Please keep the emails coming at s, the spodcast at gmail.com. Next podcast, we will make sure that we answer some of those email questions that you guys have sent in. Thank you so much for being attentive and taking time to contribute to the podcast. So we want to thank our repeat listeners and our emailers.
0: Yeah, folks, please, if you love the podcast and you're listening, we do thank you so very much. Please rate us on iTunes, rate us in Stitcher or TuneIn Radio. Subscribe to us. Uh, we're going to have our YouTube channel soon where you can go check out some of the clips as well. We talked about Twitter, S- at SDS Podcast. Gus gave you the Gmail account as well. We have some big things going on here. We're number three if you if you search um, college basketball on iTunes. And we have some big-time guests coming up for you soon, people in the industry. Thursday we're hoping to have Hoops Weiss. Uh, here on the on the podcast, I have an interview love that we're going to play with him. So we have some people. We're getting a lot of good feedback. We're honored. We're doing what we love to do. So please rate us, support the show. We appreciate it.
1: Uh, Mike Randall, one last question. Does Kendall Williams set the screen?
0: Or does Kendall Williams screen the screener thanks so much everybody we thank you for listening we're going to give you two shows now every week as we're in the middle of college basketball season we'll come back to you this week uh thanks so much hoops weiss coming up